0: Good morning, living room, friends, and family. Um, I am coming to you this morning at 11 o'clock, not really from the living room, obviously from my home. Um, And in fact, it's not even Sunday morning when I'm recording this. I'm recording this on Saturday evening uh, because uh, that's gonna free me up to do some other things tomorrow. Um, But I hope when you see this uh, today that uh, it uh, finds you doing well and um, I wanted to uh, share with everyone uh, just how disappointing it is to not be together. And I know that you're disappointed and I'm disappointed. Um, uh, But I hope that today I can say something that will be of some help to us as a community. Um, And I hope that uh, we will be able to stay close in the coming weeks um, as we try to figure out how to again, Uh, navigate uh, this difficult time with coronavirus. Um, I'm also uh, recording this uh, for our podcast, so uh, if anybody that you know listens to the podcast regularly, um, it will be on there as well. Um, And I suppose lastly, uh, uh, I've got the fire in the background, just thought that would be kind of nice for something different, because the last few times I recorded it was nice outside. It's rainy today, um, so I just thought this would be kind of nice. so, I want to tell you what's been on my mind uh, here lately, um, and uh, we've just had the election. Um, uh, it's I think now we're almost two weeks since then, uh, since uh, election day, um, and things are still... Not completely settled, but I want you to know that I feel particularly blessed for our country um, that we didn't have some of the things happen that I was concerned about. I was really concerned about uh, some rioting and things that might happen, regardless of who won. Um, But it seems to have been um, uh, a little bit better than that, and so I'm really thankful and I appreciate uh, some answered prayers there that things went uh, more smoothly than that. But I wanna talk to you today about a story that I read this week. Um, And um, this story really, really hit home for me. It really um, caused me to think uh, back maybe 14 years ago to when we were first starting The Living Room um, and some challenges that I ran into at that time. So I wanna talk through this today. Uh, I want you to see some of the challenges that I have. I hope you will find that you have some similar challenges that maybe this applies to. Um, And uh, hopefully uh, we can all grow a little bit from that. So I'm gonna start off by praying, um, and then I'm gonna get into this. So God, um, I'm really thankful to you for our community at The Living Room. I'm thankful that we can be bonded through you I'm thankful that we can live through our differences, and we can embrace each other through our differences. And God, um, as this article really affected me this week, um, help me so that uh, the things that I share today are the things you want me to share, and uh, help others to be able to hear something in this that will help them to be close to you, and then help them to reflect you uh, and your uh, wonderful impact in our lives to a world around us that we believe needs you so much. Um, we praise you, God, and we appreciate uh, the great things you do for us. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm titling my talk today A Holy Sucker Punch, um, and uh, it's because This article this week really stirred my brain about the things we do as Christians, and sometimes we do them in the name of our Christianity, um, and yet we're able to hurt people with those. And so, uh, just to give you a flavor is, is that we might have people that are supportive of the Democratic Party, or people that are supportive of the Republican Party, and they have that support grounded in their Christianity, um, and so they're lobbing these Christian bombs back and forth at each other about why it's so unholy to not be in the position they are in. Um, and so uh, I, the, the whole idea of the sucker punch is that um, I feel like in my life I'm so tempted to try to draw someone in or try to convince them of what I believe in based on my Christianity. And in that process, I try to drive home some point, or hurt them, or kind of um, make something happen uh, that benefits me more than it does them, um, all in the name of Christ. When I'm not, a, you know, when I look back at, I'm not so cons- so sure that Christ would really be very proud of that. Um, so I want to go back about 15 years ago and tell you about a meeting we had as, as the living room leadership. So this was the early days of the living room. Uh, any of you who know that history, um, you know that in our first six months we had a lot of challenges. Um, And there was uh, a lot of people that were a part of the group initially that then weren't part of the group later on Um, And I can tell you that for me personally There were a number of actions I took in that time that I regret uh, Deeply and I wish I had a chance to go back and do those over um, and I would do them differently Um, but I uh, um, I want to give you a little bit about tell you a little bit about what I did at that time so we were having a meeting And in that meeting, we had brought in an outside person to help guide us um, and help get us through some of the challenges that we had. Now, being honest with you, at that time, I saw the purpose of bringing this person in as not helping me because I was right. I knew what needed to happen. I, I wanted this person to come in from the outside to fix the other people that were wrong Um, and have them correct their ways. And that was my mindset at the beginning of the meeting, was my mindset at the end of the meeting. Um, And uh, as the meeting went on, um, it actually was a really good meeting. And the friend we brought in really helped us through a lot of things and things went really well. And at the end of the meeting, I genuinely wanted to share with my friend uh, that we'd brought in to help us. I wanted to genuinely share with him my appreciation for what he had done. And let me tell you how I did it. So while we're all still together, we're all sitting there, we're ready to wrap up the meeting, I speak up. And I say, hey, I just want to thank you for coming here and helping us. I really appreciate it. And that's really quite an appropriate thing to do. It would be okay for me to do that. And here's where the sucker punch comes in. And I said, the reason I want to thank you is because we haven't had a good meeting in months. Our meetings have never been productive. Nothing much good has come out of our meetings. Um, and this was the first meeting in a long time where things have gone well. Well, my friend who has a uh, history, I mean, has he, part of his profession was counseling. He just looked right at me and he said, did you hear that? To the rest, And he actually said it to the rest of the people, did you hear that? There was like, and I can't remember the word he used, but he basically said there was a jab in that. He said there was a there was, a, there was something in that, you know, a little anger, a little something. And I remember just like my jaw dropping and thinking like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm the good guy here. I, I, I'm the one saying thank you to you. I'm the one saying I want our meetings to be good meetings because they haven't been. But what he saw, which was he was spot on, was that I was using... An opportunity to seem all righteous and high and mighty to get one last hit in it into the meeting to drive the point home that the other leaders in the meeting are obviously not good at leading meetings Um, and I was sick of it and I wanted uh, that to be different and so I wanted to just drive that that point home even one last time Um, and I've really regretted that for years and years um, and when I read this article this week, this all came back to the surface uh, and I kind of had a lot of guilt um, about that. Um, and um, I, uh, I began to think about something that I haven't thought about before and that is, I wondered, was Jesus ever tempted this way? Um, did Jesus ever have this kind of feeling where he's winning? Um, or or he wins something, and now he's just going to drive the point home. Because for me, um, I finally got the meeting that I wanted to have, where some things were pointed out that I felt needed to be pointed out, and some things were said that needed to be said. And so I'm on top of the world. I'm winning. And now I'm going to put one last sucker punch in. Um, And I thought, let's just go to the biggie. Let's go to the crucifixion week, because... Um, crucifixion week, a lot of things happened to Jesus. And I wanted to see how he responded and see what I could learn from that. Um, and so the ingredients to make this all happen, and I want you to keep track of this, there's four things um, that really I think need to happen is first you've got to have some kind of disagreement or some kind of hurt in this type of situation where humans aren't getting along. That's ingredient number one. And for Jesus... This was, you had Judas, who was betraying him. You had Peter, who when Jesus is trying to push this life of being peaceful and trying to share love, Peter whips out a sword when Jesus is being arrested and cuts off a guy's ear. You've got Peter yet again saying to Jesus that he would never deny him, and then before the rooster crowed, before the next morning, um, Peter actually denied him three times. You've got Pilate, who could have saved Jesus and chose not to. You've got the crowd chanting, give us uh, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Um, and a lot of those people knew Jesus, uh, or at least we think they did. Um, and then you've even got the guards at the end who took his clothing and they uh, uh, cast dice um, as to see who could win his clothing and that kind of stuff. Um, so there was all kinds of hurt and disagreement going on to fuel this kind of fire. The second thing that you've got is fear. And we see this all the time, that a lot of our disagreements and a lot of our challenges have this root of fear in it. Um, During Jesus's crucifixion week, you had the church leaders who were scared. They were scared because Jesus was preaching things and pushing things that were different than what they were used to. And it went against a lot of the rules and regulations they created over time. You had government officials, uh, the ones that were actually uh, saying that Jesus couldn't be the king, for example. Um, you've got his own disciples who are fearing for their lives. They're afraid if by being connected to Jesus, um, well, I should say they're, they're afraid that Jesus ended up getting crucified, and by being connected to him, that could happen to them too. Um, and so there was a lot of fear there. And then the last one, and this is really important for for today's talk, for what we're going about. You've got to have the win, or maybe what you might call the trigger. You got to have something that kind of sets this thing in motion. Um, and for Jesus, um, you know, to, he he's the God man. You know, he's he's the guy. He could have done all kinds of things. Uh, there's lots of ways he could have had a win. He could have used uh, his ability to do supernatural things. He did some healing. Um, and so he could have done something like that. And of course, there was the supernatural resurrection. You know, that was the huge win that could have set this off. Um, and so um, Jesus's response to all of this—in um, fact, do I have one, two, three? Yeah, I, I, the third thing is the win. Sorry. And then the fourth thing. You know, so let me back up because I got a little confused there. So you gotta have the disagreement or the hurt. You've gotta have fear. You've got to have the win or the trigger, something that happens. And then the last thing is all about the response, okay? So I would argue that when Jesus was resurrected, it was sucker punch time. Jesus could have given it to him. Hey, look, I won. I told you this would happen. No matter what you did, you can't overcome me. Even if you kill me, you can't overcome me. It was sucker punch time. And if we go into John 20, verses 19 through 23, I'm going to read that to you because I want you to hear that. Let's see if I can find that quickly here. John 20, verses 19 through 23. This is after Jesus' resurrection. His disciples have the fear. They're hiding away. And here's what happens. Later on that day, this is uh, John 20 in and, and the message version, version uh, or the message uh, um I just lost the name of it. Anyways, paraphrase. Um, Anyways, later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, peace to you. Sucker punch time. Remember, he had it. He could have went for it. And what does he say? Peace to you. He doesn't say, you messed up. You're a jerk. Where were you when I needed you? You, 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 what did you not do that you should have done? Jesus says, I give peace to you. Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them, Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? It's sucker punch time. Remember that. Sucker punch time. And Jesus says, Peace to you. Go and forgive sins. It's not what I did 14 years ago. When I had sucker punch time and I, I had everything stoked and ready to go, I took the jab. I did it. Not Jesus. Um, so, um, going back to my... I'll read what I wrote here. Going back to my living room leadership meeting, my goals really were not loving. It was about winning. Um, my goals were not peace-seeking. My goals were not forgiveness. I wanted to win so that it was... um, uh, There's a typo here, so I don't know what I was actually writing. I wanted to win so... Oh, I wanted to win so bad that this dark side of me was like squirting out of my pores without me even realizing. In fact, in that meeting, when my friend kind of called me out, he very politely said to me, I know you did not mean to say something, you know, spiteful mean. But he said, it was there. So he recognized that it wasn't really intentional, but it also was not something I was consciously thinking about trying to avoid. Okay. So now, I want to start wrapping things up here uh, and talk for the next half of uh, this chat about what I read this week. Uh, I read a lot of the news feed uh, on my phone, which is from the Apple News. And the reason I like it is because uh, articles come from a lot of different uh, areas. Um, but one thing you can know is on the top news feeds, if there's something there, um, it means that for whatever reason, it's getting a lot of hits. So this particular article um, was being read by a lot of people um, this past week. The title of the article was, To My Family Who Chose Trump Over Me, or colon, Was It Worth It? Question Again, To My Family who chose Trump over me, was it worth it? And you might imagine how that kind of caught my attention um, because you can see a level of righteousness in that um, because this person, right from the title, you sense there's been something that's happened with their family, it has something to do with politics, and they are kind of challenging their family back that you did something because of politics, um, that, that hurt something and, you know, do you think it was worth it? Um the author, by the way, was a guy is a guy named Richard L. Eldridge, E L D R E D G E. And you can look it up if you want to read the article. It might be interesting for you. Um I uh I've pulled a few clips out of this. That I want us to talk. I, I want to read to you, um, and then I can talk about. So I want you to listen to some of the. Uh, I said clips. Pull a, a little, a few quotes out of this. So I want you to just listen up. There's quite a bit of reading here. Uh, so I want you to hear what Richard has to say to his family. <clears throat> Richard says, mirroring our real life relationships. Facebook connections among our family members ended suddenly after Trump's inauguration. So he's referring back to 2016. He goes on to say, we disagreed sharply when it was reported that Melania Trump would remain with the couple's young son in New York City to finish out the school year instead of moving with him to Washington DC. The additional costs for Secret Service protection in New York were significant. Okay, so I'm going to push pause. So you can see already that clearly him and his family are having some disagreements, and you can see the level. They're very political. They're very much um, uh, getting into the nitty-gritty. So this isn't like real high-level basic guidance of, I mean, basic uh, stances on issues. This is getting into the how is the government spending money to use the Secret Service to protect family members based on individual choices that those family members are made. So you can see the the level that this family has gotten uh, in this discussion. Okay, he goes on. We argued about it on Facebook until I wrote these two sentences. Listen to this. This is what he wrote. And you gotta keep in mind, he's taking the high ground here. He's, He's basically saying to his family members, you did something, you hurt something, was it worth it that you did this that's the stance of it and here's what he wrote if michelle obama had announced she was going to remain in chicago with sasha and malia um, while running up the tab on the taxpayer paid secret service protection all the while charging them rent i would have heard you bellowing all the way down here in atlanta you're a hypocrite so You realize, or I realized at this point of reading this article, that there was plenty, there were plenty of issues going on both ways here. And the author, as my friend said to me, Quinn, I know you didn't mean anything, but there was a jab in there. Okay, this is not even a subtle jab. This was a serious jab. Okay. Later on in the article, he wrote, I realized you had unfriended me, referring to Facebook. As it turns out, you weren't alone. Family birthday greetings, anniversary celebrations, and graduation photos eventually disappeared from my timeline as other family members used social media to take sides. When I typed the names of relatives I've known and loved all my life into the Facebook search box, profiles popped up, along with the phrase, add friend. Or, in extreme cases, you vanished completely after blocking me. So clearly he'd been unfriended and in some cases blocked. How did we get here, he says. And I I, I think it's interesting that he says, how did we get here, question mark. And it's not obvious to him how offensive that line he said earlier um, that started the whole unfriending thing might have been. Another of you asked me to be the best man in your wedding. As kids, we played hundreds of games of wiffle ball in my backyard until dark. After the death of my older brother, you lovingly, instinctively took over the role. You introduced me to the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and R.E.M. I thought you were a god. So this is getting deep. He's being very honest about amazing amount of deep love he has for this person. And then here comes another one. I'm almost step back. I thought you were a god. I no longer do. He's thrown it all out. It's gone. I no longer do. I now realize you are all too human. Sucker punch, sucker punch. The end of invitations to your holiday gatherings stopped coming. Your daughter got married and I wasn't invited. We haven't spoken since 2017. To be clear, this was never about a difference of political opinion. We've gotten through that before. This was about a fundamental difference in morality, integrity, and decency in a person who exemplifies none of those things. So, I don't know how many of you have ran into this or how many of you have done this to people, but he's now taking someone's allegiance to a party or allegiance to a political candidate, and then he's superimposing things on top of that, and he's kind of demonizing them because of those disagreements. Clearly... These people were important to him. They were amazing to him. They did things in his life. He talks about losing a brother and this person acting like a brother to fill in. These people did things for him that are things that should endure forever. And yet, he's throwing them out the window and doing it righteously, doing it as part of his, his uh, righteous stand for life. So then he has some final words, and I want you to hear these final words he writes the question remains was it worth it i don't know you're the only ones who can answer that and i want you to pay attention to how he's putting the blame on them in all situations here i don't know you're the only ones who can answer that i also don't know what the future holds for us or even if we have one you were the person who closed the door on our relationship, and you hold the key to reopening it. Now, I'm gonna come back down to that, but I wanna go back up and read this quote from him early on when this all got started. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. He writes, dot, 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 I would have heard you bellowing all the way down here in Atlanta, you're the hypocrite. That's what he wrote to someone who he seems to claim that he treated them at, all, at, at basically God level status at one point. And now he's saying, um, uh, now he's saying, get back to this. You were the person who closed the door on our relationship. (laughs) He can't see it. He just can't see it. And you hold the key to reopening it. Not realizing that he holds a nice set of keys too. That's what really broke my heart as I read this. He goes on, I just know this. A resolution and reconciliation can't begin until you can say the words, I hear you and I'm sorry. It can't begin until the other person says the words, I hear you and I'm sorry. And most importantly, that's not who I am. So not only is he saying he is requiring them to take the first step, he's also requiring them to... um, to to actually change who they are. We talked a few weeks ago about forcing people to change their clothes in front of you and how we can't do that. We can't function that way. It doesn't work that way. And yet, it's exactly what he's trying to do here. Um, He says, uh, I'm going to reread this one more time. A resolution of reconciliation can't begin until you say the words, I hear you and I'm sorry. And most importantly, that's not who I am. He says, that's the most important thing is you have to like um, declare that you are no longer this person that you are. Then and only then will we be able to begin to heal our relationship. And then I want you to listen to this because when I talk about a sucker punch, this, this is it. This is the one that stood out to me and took me back 14 years. Whatever you ultimately decide, please know this. I love you. And he could have just stopped there. That could have been the healing right there. Whatever you ultimately decide, please know this. I love you. It's spot on. It's Jesus. It's it's the kind of thing we have to do. But he couldn't stop. Whatever you ultimately decide, please know this. I love you. After everything else Donald Trump's taken from us, he doesn't get to claim my love for you. That's forever. Do you see that righteousness of I love you and then how he's using that as a tool to throw in the sucker punch one last time. He ends this article with the ability maybe to pull it out and yet he can't stop. He has to do one more time. So I want to remind you here of the ingredients. The ingredients are there's disagreement, there's hurt, that's what starts this process. Oftentimes there's fear. And I want you to be thinking now that the people around you that you disagree with, depending on where they, who they were for in the election and who you were for in the election, and depending on what's going on with uh, coronavirus and a whole variety of things going on, there can be fear on all kinds of levels. And that fear can drive a lot of really, really unusual behavior. So cut, cut people a little slack. There's disagreement or hurt, there's fear, and there's the win or there's the trigger. And so let's say, for example, you're a, um, a Biden supporter or maybe you're just a, a, a Trump hater. You know, Whatever it is you are that maybe gave you the chance to win. Don't kid yourself that 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the grave. And what did he do? Peace be to you go and forgive people. Peace be to you, go and forgive people. Not, ha ha, I won, in your face, now what are you gonna do for the next four years? Disagreement or hurt, fear, the win or the trigger and finally that response. I wrote here, I could have thanked my friend privately for helping to make sure I didn't further hurt others whom I loved, I'm talking about that meeting about 14 years ago. I could have done it privately, just let it be, but I didn't, because I wanted the sucker punch. This guy that wrote the article, this guy got what he wanted. He won! Why not just, he could be happy about that and he can start the healing process. This guy got what he wanted and could start the healing process at any moment. But when his family was at a low point, he tried to humiliate them on a national public level. Can you imagine? He's at a high point, he got what he wanted. And yet he writes an article, a national article, that makes it to the headlines of the Apple News Plus articles. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are reading this and the gist of the article is to try to humiliate his family and tell them how terrible they are and how until they decide to not just be polite but until they decide to change who they are they cannot have anything to do with him ever again. And I just want to remind you this is all going on when Jesus was in the perfect position for the sucker punch and jesus said peace to you go and forgive sins so i hope this um this discussion serves you well i hope in the coming weeks we've got thanksgiving we've got christmas we obviously have things kind of tidying up from this election uh Things aren't completely settled out yet. We have people still um, talking about uh, maybe uh, not conceding. We have people not really believing the results, thinking maybe things happened illegally. We've got lawsuits going on. There's a lot going on in the coming weeks. And I just wanna encourage you as you think through the disagreement and hurt you have with friends and family, as you think about the fear that you have or the fear they may have, as you think about the win or the trigger or something that has gone on in these past couple of weeks, particularly with the election as the one that's on my mind, um, what are you going to do with that? And what is your response? The fourth thing being your response. How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond with peace be to you? I love you. I forgive you. Um, And by the way, will you forgive me for being a jerk as well? Or are we going to say, now that we've won, we're just going to give it to you and make your day all that much worse? I hope you guys can find Christ in your decisions. I hope you can find Christ um, or give Christ a chance to uh, get deep in your heart and and help guide you in these difficult times. we, uh, I don't have communion uh, at this time, but I would encourage you um, to take some time today, uh, this being Sunday uh, morning uh, when you're watching this, um, or maybe sometime later. Um, but I would encourage you to, uh, to get some bread and get some juice and take a few moments and really think about the amazing lessons that Jesus has taught us and thank him for that. Think about the amazing gift that God has given us um, by helping us to live in this world in a beautiful way and to give us happiness that we struggle to find on our own um, and celebrate that with some bread and juice. Um, I hope you have a great week. Um, I hope that you're all safe and doing well. Uh, I miss seeing you, um, and uh, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you in the near future. Take care and have a great day. Bye-bye.